Hello, and welcome to the Artsy Podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Kaplan. Today, we're going to be taking a deep dive into the world of contemporary Cuban art, which, as you might imagine, is embroiled with questions of history and politics and culture, both on and off the island. We're joined today by two very special guests, Jorge Perez, CEO and founder of The Related Group. He's also an avid art collector and the namesake of the Perez Art Museum Miami, or PAM for short. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And Tobias Ostrander, chief curator at PAM. Hi, glad to be here. Hello to you both. So, Tobias, you organize the show currently on view at the museum titled On the Horizon. This exhibition has been presented in three parts over the course of a year. The last chapter, titled Domestic Anxieties, is open now through April 8th. In all, the show features more than 170 works of contemporary Cuban art, many of which were donated by you, Jorge. So before we get too deep into the exhibition, I know this is familiar ground for many people, but for people who are perhaps aren't as versed in the connection between Cuba and Miami, can you maybe talk a little bit about the historical relationship between those two places? Yes. I mean, you know, if you look at the history of Miami, I mean, Miami was a tourist community, you know, a fishing community, a, a very young community until, you know, the, I mean, in the 30s and 40s. Um, but really with the Cuban revolution, you know, the, it's so many Cuban exiles came, came to Miami that the, they really changed the history of the city and the economic situation of the city. And they, and they brought, you know, Cuban culture in all its forms, um, you know, since the 60s. And there have been waves of, of artists and cultural practitioners since then, um, you know, really building the cultural life of the city. So it's um, when we think about Miami, you know, Cuban culture is integral to how we define the city, how the, you know, the city has developed economically, culturally, you know, um, across these decades. So, and it's, you know, it's a very dynamic part of what defines the city. Um, the relationship between Miami and, and the island of Cuba and the politics between those two places has been one that's been complex and very tense and, you know, um, o- over those decades as well. So that's something to consider. It's a very dynamic cultural political space. So what was the impetus behind this exhibition? Why now? Well, we could ask that in two different ways. I mean, the immediate answer for me is this exhibition is very much celebrating the donation of over 170 works by Jorge Perez um, to the museum. So it was a way to celebrate that donation and to, to really highlight different thematics within that collection and highlight how we'd be using that collection and integrating it into our larger exhibition program in the future. Um, I think the question might be for Jorge, why donate this collection now? You know, I mean, that, that might be another way to ask the question. You know, why now is, is, is um, I, mean, I, mean, I think, why not now, right? No, but in reality is, I, you know, I thought that the connection, the relationship between Miami and the United States and Cuba was going to have a much more uh, positive history after the trip uh, by ex-president Barack Obama to Havana, where I had the good fortune of accompanying him. Um, there was great joy in, uh, in the fact that it appeared uh, that the sort of Cold War between uh, particularly Miami and Havana uh, was going to dissipate. We had members of the Cuban-American community from all parties, both the, you know, the Republican and, and uh, Democratic Party, calling for not only human rights, 
but you know the growth of um, of free capital, you know, in businesses, uh, the flow of uh, more communications, particularly in the arts. And I thought that that was a you know a great opportunity, you know, for me to showcase the collection and to showcase the relationship between uh, the artists living, most of them living in either uh, Cuba and in Miami and the communication between those two artists and those those two places. What's happened since the new administration is there's been a lull in that relationship and what started to be an exaltation of joy into the the, the further rapprochement between the communities uh, is now important because it is still talking about that hopeful unification of Cuban culture in a time that uh, there's more restrictions put into the free flow of ideas. We're seeing businesses that are being shut down by the government in Havana. Uh, We probably are seeing more repression. And on the side of the United States, I think this has given more power to the part of the Cuban community that is less intent on increasing the flow of uh, communications between uh, the two countries. And I think that showcasing this demonstrates that the Cuban people, the Cuban artists, whether they live in Havana or they live in Miami or they live in Mexico or they live in Belgium, and we have them from everywhere, is one culture, you know, with many more similarities than differences. And that's what I've always wanted to say. This is about Cuban culture and showing, you know, what a beautiful thing it is. Yeah, I mean, you you kind of touched on this, but how does art and culture and the exchange of that fit into the Cuban-American relationship? And I'm also curious if there are specific works in the show that kind of really inform our understanding of that relationship and that dynamic. Well, in the comments that I've had, you know, back to me from the Cuban-American community is that they feel great pride, you know, and great joy about seeing the amazing art coming from this very small island. You know, some some guy, a very conservative guy actually, was telling me, we must be uh, the most creative country per capita in the world, you know. And I said, I don't know if that's true or not, but we definitely have, you know, a very strong cultural component in Cuba. And I think art is a very non-political way of increasing the relationship between the two countries. And and if you look at this, you know, while artists are searching for freedom and are talking about, like all artists are, and are talking about the issues of not only in Cuba, but in, in this country, the issues with capitalism, the issues with, uh, you know, freedom of expression, the issues with poverty, uh, the issues with dictatorship, it's a way of, uh, for Miami in particular, to understand what is going on in the island and, and the importance of their culture in this unification that sooner or later will take place. I think one of the things that's very interesting about the collection and that we're you know, very much highlighting within the exhibition is how you know, the collection has a very broad thinking about what it means to be Cuban or what defines a Cuban artist, meaning there are artists working on the island, there were artists working in the diaspora, there are artists of multiple generations, you know, and, and as Jorge was saying, sort of seeing them as part of a larger evolving, you know, cultural ecosystem. And that is presenting the work in that way and kind of across 
the lines of division of who's working on the outside and who's working in the in the diaspora is something that is historically important about one the collection but also about this exhibition you know there have been a lot of resistance you know from the local community to cross those lines you know there are people who feel that the part of the US Cuba embargo is to not present artists working on the island. We disagree. We feel that the, you know, that really to foster freedom and, you know, democracy in a more open society in Cuba, we need to present what artists are doing there. That's part of opening up the conversation. And I mean, what I'm trying to do with the the curating this exhibition is really focusing in on the diversity of the artists' voices and let, letting their work speak for themselves. And of course, there are artists that are more political than others. Some artists directly confront questions of censorship or questions of the embargo itself. Other artists are less interested in that or, or channel that through more, you know, abstract ways or, or thinking more about sort of Zen or meditation or very abstract or poetic ideas, almost as a kind of critique or resistance to a political reading of their work. So the diversity, and as Jorge was noting, it's like, it's just incredibly rich, the legacies here, and, and the way that artists are working is extremely diverse, and we're just trying to celebrate that in different ways. Yeah. For some of our listeners who uh, haven't seen the show, I'm wondering if, if there are specific works you can kind of point to as, as examples, specific artists who showcase this incredible diversity of cultural approaches. Yeah, I mean, we, we divided the show into three chapters to kind of draw out certain thematics to kind of highlight that diversity. But in each of the chapters, there are certain works that have, have stayed and been shown kind of in dialogue with our permanent collection of the museum. One work that's really become sort of one of the, the really um, talked about pieces is, is this piece by Johan Capote, um, Sea Escape. It's a gigantic painting that shows a, a horizon line that looks like, you know, a very sublime, almost 19th century painting of the sea. Um, but then as you go up closer to it, you realize that the sea that's painted there actually has thousands of of fish hooks embedded in the surface of the canvas. So that sea that is very beautiful and sublime and um, is also a sea that is dangerous or that could drag you down. And so in, in many ways, you know, the piece is talking about the sea that we live with in Miami and the sea that's between Cuba and the U.S. and that as a a space fraught with people trying to cross, literally, and, you know, the, the balseros and, and that dynamic, but also just kind of more metaphorically that that distance between these two places has been a, a complicated space. But still, like these vistas, of, you know, of the horizon kind of talk about, you know, they evoke the future and, and evoke a feeling of hope or that this conversation will open up and continue in a way. So it touches on all those layers in a very sort of abstract but poetic way. One of the most beautiful parts of the show to me has probably has nothing to do with art, but has to do with human connection, right? I mean, when I went back to, to, to Cuba the first time, and, and this happens to a lot of Cuban Americans, there's a great sense of joy and a great sense of pride and a great sense I've been missing something in my life, you know? People actually cry when they see certain places and, and, and the reunions and so forth. And, and this exhibit does that. It does that not only in the universal, you know, a community of, of Cubans, but also in the artists, you know? And one of the most touching things for me 
uh, and this happened several times, is every time we had uh, one of the parts of the shows, we had these big dinners with all the artists, you know, and, and, and many artists had not seen each other for 30 years, you know, and they were actually crying, you know, they, they, they were talking about when they went to school together and what Cuba meant to me and, and how difficult it was to leave Cuba or how difficult it was to stay in Cuba. And these conversations between artists are going to produce more great art, you know, and it's going to reflect in different ways what the whole community, not just the artists, what the whole community feels about the separation of Cuba, right? Uh, our next project, which is really interesting, is we're going to take these pieces of work, and we've, we're engaging 15 of the best Cuban writers alive today to be writing stories, you know, fictional stories about what the pieces mean to the artists or to them and things like that. So we're going to combine literature with writers that both live in Cuba and outside of Cuba to try to again bring, you know, the message, you know, the communications, you know, to to a greater population. So to me, it's something that just brings unity and and pride to the Cuban and Cuban-American community. You asked about some of the other works. There's some amazing works in this chapter, for example, by incredible artist Lázaro Saavedra, who's been working since, you know, the late 70s, early 80s. He has a um, a hand kind of painted uh, wall mural. It's sort of a flow chart. It looks like kind of a corporate chart about how to be a dissident and kind of charting the various choices that a individual or particularly artists have in, you know, do you sort of pretend to be a dissident or do you leave the island? But in this kind of, in a humorous way, sort of charting the, the various, you know, life decisions people have made. Um, there are a couple works by him in the show that he's really kind of making fun of his role or, or kind of critiquing the role of what it means to be a Cuban artist today. He, he has a classic video that he, it's a dialogue with himself saying, Oh, are you in the collection of MoMA? Are you in Documenta? Are you in the Venice Biennale? And each answer is no. And so then he walks away from himself. So sort of talking about what it means to be a Cuban artist in the greater art world and the kind of the, the flows of interest and non-interest that have come to the island over the last couple of decades. So, you know, he's, he's an interesting figure in sort of kind of touching on politics, but in an ironic and humorous way often. So. And it's interesting in the collection that it evolved with the, the 170 plus pieces that Tobias was saying. But, you know, the museum also got a gift of a million dollars to to complete what I call sort of complete the collection. Yeah. And Tobias, Franklin and I and our curator, Patricia and Annelis went to to the island and started visiting all those studios of those artists that we thought was important that might either not be included in the collection or, you know, might not have been included enough and uh, and got a chance in doing so uh, to learn more and to sort of complete the exhibition. But what we're building here is really one of the most important collections of Cuban contemporary art in the country by far. And the fact that it's happening in Miami is incredibly significant and historically important and represents, you know, a, a real political shift, a real pushing of culture in this context in, in a particular way, and, and a real push to try to open up this conversation in a way that it hasn't been opened in the past. Yeah, you were talking about visiting artists still living in Cuba, and there's been some debate, as I'm, as I'm sure you're aware, there was a story in the Miami Herald about showing artists who, who are still living in Cuba 
Can you maybe talk about how you approach this subject and, and how you sort of think about this conversation that's been sparked by the choice to include artists living in Cuba? I mean, there is a complicated history about institutions deciding whether or not to present artists from the island. And there's been a lot of resistance locally to to that. You know, I think what it means to be an artist working in Cuba is changing and it's quite complex and you have a lot more fluidity and a lot more movement than you did in past decades. You have artists who are working on the island, but also working in Spain, also working in Miami. They, they maintain studios in both places now. So there's a lot more openness to that. And the kind of Cold War kind of line that was drawn in the past, you know, artists are not living that way anymore in, in the same way. But it is complicated territory and there, there have been a resistance in the past to that. We've been very careful about including a lot of people in the conversation about these issues as we organize the exhibition. And so people you know, who may not agree with that position understand why we're doing it or understand that our position is that it's very important to show what's happening on the island and not to isolate these artists because these artists often feel isolated and we want to open up their work and, and expose it and, and help them be vehicles for change locally on the islands, you know, and, and by supporting them, we see it as really promoting political change, you know, in the context of, of Cuba as well. Uh, you have to remember that the one thing, the one thing that we can't do is come here getting away from a government that did not allow us to have the freedoms that we wanted and create a society that curtails those freedoms, you know? Even in Cuba today, at risk of some people, they're showing Cuban artists that live in Miami in the main museum in Cuba, and they're showing Cuban artists that live in other countries in the main museum in Cuba. We cannot, I think, as a free country, you know, restrict the expression of uh, of an artist just because he happens to live in Cuba, uh, particularly if he's an artist that is a dissonant artist and one that is searching for freedom. And in all these, freedom and the, the hope of uh, of a better society and criticism to the system is, is very palpable. You know, I'm thinking of uh, Novo with some photographs in which, you know, Castro appears and then he takes Castro out of the picture and all you see is a landscape. And unless you see the photograph, you, you don't understand it. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of criticism that many times is couched because it's still Cuba's not a, a free society. So us allowing that expression is extremely important for us. I think there's another dynamic at play that I wanted to highlight too. You know, there's, you know, with the opening up, you know, with the Obama administration, you know, there was increased interest in travel to the island and, you know, a lot of discussion about contemporary Cuban art, looking at artists from there. You know, there's also in Miami, there's often a sense or a fear or a, a insecurity or a question about, well, you know, there's kind of a fetishization of artists who work on the island and people aren't interested in, in artists working in the diaspora. You know, Cuban artists working in Miami are somehow not as sexy for the art world as artists, you know, living under the regime still. I mean, one of the great things about the collection, it's across the board. There's a very strong balance of artists working both outside, you know, working in Miami, working in Havana, working 
working in, you know, Belgium, Mexico, Berlin, you know, and there's a great balance and we aren't trying to do one or the other. It, it's building a collection that doesn't draw those lines in the same way and, and really celebrates, as Jorge was talking about, like celebrates kind of the diversity of what it means to be Cuban in a contemporary society, you know. So if you're looking forward 20 years into the future, I mean, it feels impossible to guess what's going to happen next week, let alone two decades in the future. But I'm just kind of curious, you know, looking forward, what do you think Cuban art will look like, this very diverse cultural production that falls under the phrase Cuban art, both within Cuba and also in terms of how it's received here in the United States? How do you feel it might change or, or develop? Cuba, Cuba's right now going through a very special period, right? I mean, um I'm looking at an artist right now that started to put color into his black and white uh, because of Obama coming in and his hope that there was a, a new beginning in Cuba and a new expression of freedom. They're all sort of trying to figure out what is going to happen with Raul Castro now stepping down and, and a new generation, hopefully, of leaders coming in. You know, what, what are they going to do? And how are they going to be running the island? At the same time, uh, I think here in the United States, you know, we are seeing uh, a government that is um, actually not very concerned with the arts. They've tried to actually totally cut down the National Endowment of the Arts. So uh, I think we are at a very special period, all trying to sort of figure out what is going to happen. You know, my hope is, and I'm more than a Cuban, although I'm very, very proud of being Cuban. I'm a Latin American. You know, my hope is that I can continue to promote uh, Latin American art that has not been seen uh, by the world as a whole. You know, we, we spend a lot of time going to Peru and Argentina and Colombia, not only, you know, not only Cuba, you know, to try to promote that. You know, we see Miami as the de facto capital of the Americas, you know, where where all these, you know, Latin American countries come here to to trade and to, you know, and 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 to see culture. You know, actually, you know, we would love to I would love to see not Miami, you know, Pam be a Latin American art museum. I mean it has to be a museum that reflects all of our community, but to be the museum that has the strongest contemporary Latin American collection in the whole of the United States, because Miami is the place where Latin Americans uh, want to come. You know, it's the place where they buy condominiums, where they have second homes, where they when they where they trade, where they shop, where they do all these things. And in fact it becomes almost another city of Latin America. Art is very important because that's the soul and the heart of this whole culture, you know, that we try to expand. So, you know, I will continue to to try to promote this by by continuing to buy art, you know, with the guidance of Tobias and, and the museum and people. Uh, so so we do end up with uh, the most important collection. How how that art is going to reflect in the future? Who knows? I don't know what's going on in Venezuela. I don't know what's going on in Brazil and Argentina. The changes that we have, so not only Cuba, but are immense right now. I mean, it's very hard to speculate. And, and as we are really trying to stress, it's like, you know, the diversity of practices is is already so complex. Um, I think it'll be interesting for for artists who have been slightly more isolated to be exposed and have more resources to experiment technologically. You know, I think there's an incredible tradition of sort of 
draftsmanship, craft, you know, like skill um, in in Cuba that has been played out in, you know, painting, drawing. And I mean, there are many artists working in every media, but I'm I'm interested to see how artists start to innovate more with new technologies that they're exposed to. You know, I think that'll be interesting. But I also think, I wonder how long um, Cuban art will continue to be seen only in political terms and, and really be seen in terms of the way it wants to be seen as an artistic practice, you know, each artist's work being seen for itself. And, and I really, with this exhibition, it's an attempt to, to nod at that, you know, to give a kind of more poetic frame versus a political frame for the artwork that, that implies politics, implies looking to the future, implies sort of opening up, but, but implies sort of allowing the works to breathe and have their own voices, you know, together and to not only see Cuban art always in, in this, you know, dichotomy or this relationship between, you know, politics and, and um, between the U.S. and Cuba. And, and I think that will be a, a, when that can happen, I think it will be a great weight off many artists' <laughs> shoulders, ultimately. Yeah. And, and I think the artists very much agree with Tobias. I mean, when you talk to them, they would like to be known not as great Cuban artists, but as great artists. I think that's a great place to leave it. Thank you both so much for joining us here today. Thank you. Thanks. If you've got feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at podcast at artsy.net. Our producer this week, as always, associate editor Abigail Kane. The theme music is by Broke for Free. See you next time.